Crossroads, and uh, even though it's a week late, Happy New Year. I'm really glad to see everybody here today and to dive into the second week of this series, The Big Picture. It pains me to start off this way, I'm not going to lie, but didn't Dustin do a fantastic job last week starting this? I mean, what a great job. Uh, let's give a shout out to everybody in Mishawaka today and St. Pete and Nashville, everybody joining online. We are diving into week two of this series today, and it's important stuff because as we dive into a new year, we're challenging everybody at Crossroads to go through the Bible together. And that means we're going to be working our way through the Bible on Sundays, through every Sunday uh, this year, uh, from beginning to end, getting the big picture of who God is, what his story is all about. But beyond that, we're also inviting everybody to take the challenge, the 365 challenge. So let's just start off a little bit differently than we normally do today. Instead of asking you to make sure your phones are silenced and keep those away, what I'm asking you to do right now is everybody pull your phone out from wherever it is, all right? Let's just go with this. Go with me on this. Pull your phone out and there's a slide coming up with a QR code. Everybody knows what a QR code is now. Two, three years ago, nobody really knew, nobody really cared, but now we all know, right? Go ahead, pull out your phone, point your camera at the QR code. What that's going to do is take you directly to a group that we've created on our Facebook page that is going through the 365 challenge together. And the whole goal of this is that we are diving into God's word, that we're reading through the Bible together. Why are we doing that? Because I believe with all my heart that God's word will change you. By filling yourself up with God's word, it will help you become who he created you to be. And so we've developed this reading plan that's going to help us all walk through the Bible together. And the idea is you want to take and do three things. You want to read every day. You want to reflect on what you're reading. And then you want to take time to respond. And we believe that by doing this together, by taking the 365 challenge together, it gives us the opportunity to be successful and really learn together and engage in what God is teaching us. Furthermore, let's just be real. It's easier in a group to navigate get your way through the Bible reading, especially in February when we come to the book of Leviticus, all right? Together, we can make it through Leviticus. We can make it through together. We will survive. It will be amazing. But in all seriousness, I believe that by getting in the Word every day, you're going to allow God to speak to you, and God will change your life. So what would it look like if all of us at Crossroads were all in on this 365 challenge, filling ourselves up with God's word every day? How would that change us? How would that change our church? How would that change our community? Guys, let's go all in on this and engage in God's word together uh, this year. Who's in? 365 challenge now. Come on, let's do this. Let's do this. It's going to be an amazing journey. Now, um, turn off all of your Facebook notifications. Come on, I know you guys got hooked. You got like, oh, my grandma just posted about a recipe. Oh, put it away. Okay. I want to talk about the big picture today. Uh, we're talking about creation. And, and this is a fun one to talk about. It, it matters. And I just want to start, when we talk about the big picture, walking through the Bible, uh, Dustin uh, set this up perfectly last week by recognizing what the Bible is. It is God's word for our lives. That's where we go to for direction and for guidance. And when I spend time in God's word, that's when I open myself to listening to God's voice, again, becoming who it is that God created me to be. And as we engage in God's word this year, I wanted to start the year by just going through the big picture of what we see 
see in the Bible. Because from start to finish, the Bible really can be summarized in four categories. It starts out with creation, then almost immediately in Genesis chapter 3 you see the fall, and then everything in the Bible points toward Jesus, which is redemption. And then the final book of the Bible, what we see is this picture of restoration. It's God restoring all of creation to what he originally intended it to be. And we are part of that story. And I want to work through those four main categories over the next few weeks to kind of set up the idea of what we're talking about when we dive into God's word and what we can expect to experience when we encounter God through his word, through the, the idea of these four categories. And so we're starting today with the idea and the, the beginning point of creation. It says in Genesis 1-1, so when I say we're starting in the beginning, this is the very first verse in the Bible, all right? We're going from the beginning. Here's what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this is one sentence. It's one verse. But the, the magnitude of what is contained in that very first verse in the Bible is enormous. This is a big deal. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And I think what we have to realize right out of the gate when we're talking about the Bible, when we're talking about our story and as it relates to God's story, the story that we are all a part of, this story that God has created, that God has written, it begins with God. We have, to, we have to wrap our minds around it. The story that we are part of, it begins with God, not us, all right? It'd be a lot easier to say, in the beginning, me. That'd be a right? The world revolves around me. Yes. But that wouldn't be a very amazing God to worship, right? It's, it's in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it's, it's really great to, to think about and to wrap our minds around right out of, the, out of the gate that God is our creator. We are his creation. It all starts with God. And what that truth does is it sets up the whole way that we see the world. And everybody has a worldview. You might not know what that is. But when you come to church, when you put your trust in Jesus, we have this thing that we call a biblical worldview. It means that I'm putting my trust in what God says is true. I put my trust in God's word for my life. And so when I believe right out of the gate that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that's actually really, really important because my entire worldview is based on that truth. Why does that matter? What, what are you talking about, Tim? What, what's the big deal? Well, if you put your trust in God, and if you believe that very first verse of the Bible, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, what you are doing is you are putting your trust in him. You're saying, God, I believe in you. I believe that I was made by you. I believe that I was made for you. And that sets the table for your life to be completely different than anybody who does not put their trust in those things. Why is that? Let, let's walk through that for a second. We talk about this from time to time because these are really important principles. If you put your trust in God, you believe that he is your creator, that you were made by him and for him, that changes everything. Because when I'm putting my trust in God, in his word, when I put my trust in Jesus, what that means is I have an origin. I have an origin story and I know what that is. I was created by God. That means that my life has purpose. I was created for him, to bring him glory in all that I do. That not only means that I know where I come from, that I know that I have purpose, but it also, it gives me a moral compass. God gives me everything I need to become more like him. He gives me everything I need in his word to know how to live a life that is worthy of, of the love that he has shown me. And furthermore, when I put my trust in God, I believe that I have hope, not just for today or for tomorrow, but I have an eternal destiny. I'm believing that the creator God is creating a place for me right now in heaven. I have hope. 
My life is not meaningless or aimless. It has purpose. I was created by God and for him. I know where I come from. I know where I'm going. Now, when you put yourself in the, in the different perspective, if, if you don't choose to believe the very first verse of the Bible, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, if your story begins with you, in the beginning me, in the beginning bang, I don't know what that looks like, but if, if you don't put your trust in God, if you don't think that there is a creator, your life really doesn't have any purpose. You really don't know where you come from. You're just an evolution of goo. All right, fantastic, here we are, but your life has no meaning. And when you take your last breath on planet Earth, it's done. It makes for a pretty hopeless existence. But that's not true when you're putting your trust in God. And what amazes me is that people can, can walk through life without the hope of Jesus. I don't know how you can do that. Because at the end of the day, you're putting your trust in something. Uh, it's said by, by several people in a bunch of different circles that, that I listen to that you have to believe in one miracle or the other. Christians, you know, we just went through the, the Christmas season. We put our trust in Jesus. We believe in the miracle of the virgin birth. That's the miracle that we believe in. Well, if you don't put your trust in God, you're still believing in a miracle because you're believing in the virgin birth of the universe, all right? How does that happen? You're still putting your trust in something. And when you have a biblical worldview and you say, all right, I'm choosing to put my trust in God and his word, then that changes everything. It changes the whole perspective of your life. And I want to encourage you to lean into that today. What is your life all about? Where does your story begin? That's what I want you to think about today because if your story begins with the creator God, if your story begins with Jesus, man, you can know today that your life has purpose. You are dearly and deeply loved by God. You've been created by him and for him. You have hope of eternal destiny with Jesus. You have a future and it is bright. I encourage you to think about today that, that idea, that mindset of, man, my life, it begins with Jesus. So that's Genesis 1-1. Now let's uh, go through the rest of the Bible today, huh? No, I'm just kidding. All right, so Genesis 1-2 is where the creation story begins. And I want to encourage you to lean into this. All right, we're going to read through this, and, and maybe you're hearing this for the first time today. I want you to lean in to just the power and, and the magnificence and the wisdom and the goodness of God. Lean into who he is because this is the God who we serve. Never forget, he is the creator. We are his creation. We are part of his story. There is no one like him. And in these, these verses that follow, you see three attributes of God that I think are really, really important. Uh, let's, let's go into it. First one is this. God is powerful. Can we just say that together? God is powerful. The theological term for God's power is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is the creator. We are his creation. There is nothing in all of creation that is out of God's control. There isn't any force greater than him. There isn't any force that God can't overcome. You know, there's the old uh, trick question. Uh, I remember growing up, they would try to trick you. Like, is God so powerful that he can build a rock so big that he can't pick it up? You're like, oh, ooh, ooh, I don't know. That's, that's a good trick. I don't know. What a great riddle that is. There is nothing that God can't do. And that means that there is no other story that, that we can appeal to that is outside of, of his influence for our circumstances. God is all-powerful. There is no one like our God. And when we look at the story of creation, man, you come to this realization that, man, there is no one like him. He is our creator. We are his creation. And I want you to think about that as we unpack this. Genesis 1, uh, 2 through 25. Let's just dive in. It says, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. 
And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Boom. He spoke it into existence. And I love this next line. Can we just say this next line, verse 4, all together? Let's go. And God saw that the light was good. This is a theme that you're going to see over these next few verses, that everything God creates is good. That's who he is. That's what he does. All of his creation is good. It says, then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night, and evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters sea. Let's read the next verse together. And God saw that it was good. There it is. The theme is revealing itself, right? So God in all his power is speaking all of this into existence. It's hard to wrap your mind around that kind of power. He is a God that we can't understand, that we can't comprehend. There is no one like our God. He spoke everything that we know into existence. It says in verse 11, Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with the seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. Let's do it again. And God saw that it was good. This is him speaking into existence all that we experience in creation. There's no one like our God. And evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And one more time, and God saw that it was good. Can we just pause there for a second? God spoke all of these things into existence. The more that we're able to experience and, and see with our own eyes what's happening in the universe, when you look up into the sky, realize that there are galaxies, just there's an infinite amount of galaxies of stars, you realize that it was in a moment that God spoke all of that into existence. And when you think about who God is, the idea that there is no one like our God, I love what it says in Psalm 19. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they never stop speaking. Night after night, they make him known. How amazing is that? The eternal God, the creator God, he speaks these things into existence. And we live in a day and age, which is just extraordinary to me, that you can look out, you know, with the telescopes and all the pictures that we're able to see now, you can see galaxies forming. I, you can see them being created in real time. Like we are witnessing right now with what we see, the, the creation of God happening. It's, it's just an extraordinary thing to realize that that is declaring the glory of God. 
And it's hard to wrap your mind around it, right? When you think about God creating everything. Like, where was God before Genesis 1? In the beginning, God. Like, the answer is, he was always there. He is the eternal God. He has always been. He will always be. And if you just stop and try to think about that, for about 30 seconds, you'll need a couple of Advil because it hurts your brains. Like, I can't wrap my mind around this, right? How does this even work? To think about eternity, God has always been. I can't even grasp that. To think about eternity, God will always be. How can that possibly make sense? There's no way that that's real. And yet, you look up in the sky, and we're in it. It goes for eternally, infinity to the left, infinity to the right. We are in the middle of space, infinity. We're in it, and we can't grasp it. That's the power of God. He speaks this into existence. His ways are higher than our ways. There is no one like our God. And I think that in our society, in our culture today, we're doing everything we can to, to drown out the voice of God, to, to explain everything away in life without having to acknowledge the existence of God. And so we try to paint this picture of what creation is without God, and it does him a disservice. Like, you think about how our culture tries to just push away any reference of God. I'm thinking about this week. Let's just be real for a second. Everybody heard this story. Uh, Mar Hamlin this week. He, he, he literally dies on the field on Monday night football, and people don't know how to respond, right? They bring him back to life. They put him in the ambulance. They send him off to the hospital. And I read the story on Tuesday and Wednesday. ESPN, the highest rated uh, Monday night football game ever that they've ever shown was Monday night. And, and the time that the most people watched that game was after the injury. And what was happening on that field? It was a ginormous prayer service. All of a sudden, everybody's praying. All of a sudden, everybody's cool with, hey, we need to pray for this guy, that, that he will be healed, that he will be okay. And all of a sudden, the most watched sporting event ever on Monday Night Football is a prayer meeting. How amazing is that? Like, yes, you try to keep God down, it's not gonna happen. All of a sudden, when, when things get real, when life comes at you and things are falling apart, people in our culture today, whether the media's point us in that direction or culture's point us that direction or not, people turn to God. Because we are hardwired that when things go wrong, when, when I'm feeling the weight of the world on me, my, my instinct is to instinctively look up. I, I know that I need help from God because I am the creation. I'm not the creator. He's the creator. And so we are all hardwired to look up and it's in those moments where, man, God pulls the curtain back and says, hey, I'm still here. <laughs> you can try to hide me off in a corner somewhere for a while, but it can only last so long, right? God is here. God is with us, and he is the all-powerful, omnipotent God. And I think a lot of times we, we try to shy away from that. Like we think, oh, well, this whole creation, it all happened without God. That's what people are trying to teach us and say, oh, yeah, this is all happened on our own. There's nothing to it. It's all by accident. Enjoy your meaningless life. We'll see you later. Well, no, 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 no. I believe in the beginning God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I put my trust in that. And what's amazing today is people still try to push God out of the equation. More and more scientists in this field are saying, you know, even though we don't know what to believe, we're not going to push religion on you, the more that we look at creation itself, the more we see that there has to be some sort of intelligent design. The, the more we're able to look at the, the smaller and the molecular things of life at the atomic level, we're able to see that in the smallest parts of, of, of 
of existence and creation at the molecular level. There are molecular machines. There, there are all kinds of, of codes and things happening within our DNA that they just can't explain away by evolution. They're going, no, this is by design. It's obviously by design. This is, this is real and this is happening. I love a couple quotes here that I wanted to share with you. Nobel Prize winning physicist Charles Towns observed this. Uh, he said, intelligent design, as one sees it from a scientific point of view, seems to be quite real. This is a very special universe. It's remarkable that it came out just this way. If the laws of physics weren't just the way they are, we couldn't be here at all. I mean, these are the Nobel Prize winners saying, no, this isn't by accident. There is a, there is a creator. There is intelligent design. I love this quote from atheist cosmologist Fred Hoyle. Cosmologist, uh, per Webster's Dis Dictionary, uh, cosmology is the uh, art uh, and science of making beautiful one's skin, hair, or nails. And so, come on, that was funny. All right, that's cosmetology, just by the way. Cosmology is a study of, of the physical universe. So now you guys are like, oh, got it. Okay, let's just say the guy does hair and makeup, whatever, okay. Atheist cosmology, he does not believe in God. He says a common sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a super intellect has played with physics as well as with chemistry and biology. Like people, even if they don't want to believe in God, there's this recognition in the scientific community that, yeah, this doesn't really make sense unless there is an intelligent design. There has to be some sort of creator. And when you look at the Bible and you go right back to the beginning, you're seeing without question, yeah, in the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. We are created by him and for him, and that changes everything. We serve an all-powerful God. There is no one like him. He spoke into existence the stars in the sky and everything in creation as we know it. I want to pick up in verse 19. It says, And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. Let's do it again. And God saw that it was good. Man, that's who he is. That is his creation. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, multiply. Let the fish fill the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and one final time, and God saw that it was good, which leads us to the next attribute of God. Can you guess it? God is? Wise. Oh, I thought you'd say good. I really did. Okay. God is wise. So first off, God is powerful. He's all-powerful. He is the creator God. We are his creation. We are part of his story. Not our story. We are part of his story. But not only is God all-powerful, God is also wise. The theological term for that is omniscient. You guys want to say that together with me? Omniscient. That means all-knowing. That means that there are no surprises to God. That means that there's nothing that surprises God or confuses God where he says, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> no, God is actually all-knowing. He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he deeply cares about you and I. I love what it says in Isaiah. 
Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. And I want to encourage you today with this idea. Like, why does this matter like, to my daily life? Listen, because God is wise, because he knows everything, because he is all-powerful, we can trust that he knows what to do in all circumstances. Can we just stop and, and, and think about that? We have to be okay sometimes when life gets difficult and we don't know what's going on. We have to be okay with saying, God, I'm trusting today that even though I'm hurting, even though I don't understand what's going on, even though life is tough right now for me, God, I'm still trusting that you are wise, that you can still see farther down the road of life than I can, and that you have a purpose and a plan for me. Now that's not easy, because life gets really difficult sometimes, and sometimes we never have the, we never have the ability to see exactly what the purpose of all that was. Sometimes we have to wait for those answers until we take our last breath and we stand before God. Sometimes we just have to wait. But God cares about your struggle. He cares even more about who you're becoming while you wait. And when you put your trust in him in those difficult situations and say, God, I trust that you are all powerful. I trust that you are all wise. Even though this is difficult, I'm still putting my trust in you. Those are the moments where we grow. Those are the moments where we see God show up. Because God's ways are greater than our ways. He spoke all of creation into existence. There's no one like him. We are his creation. We are living in his story. And I want to encourage you today that you can put your trust in him because he is all-powerful. He is all-wise. And you know, he loves you with an extravagant love. In Genesis 1, 26, this is where we arrive on the scene. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us, this is an amazing verse, by the way. It's the first time that there's a reference to uh, the Trinity. You know, God three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're together. He doesn't say, I'm going to make man in my image. He says, let us make man in our image. It's plural. That's significant. When you read through John 1, if you were with us for our Christmas Eve services, you know that John 1 begins by saying, in the beginning was the Word. The Word is Jesus. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing is made that has been made. And in Him was life. And that life was the light for all mankind. Jesus was there at the beginning. In fact, all of the Bible, all of Scripture, points toward Jesus. And we're going to be unpackaging that over the next few weeks as well. But this is the first reference in Scripture to this idea of the Trinity. Jesus was there. He was part of creation. He is God. And so when you realize that, that's significant. God, God's creating the universe. Jesus is right there because he is God. Let us make man in our, our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the seas, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Man, there's so much great stuff here in these verses. First of all, we are made in the image of God. Man, you talk about being his prized possession. We talk about being children of God. 
I want you to know today that he loves you with an extravagant love. You are made in his very image. And when we understand our role in the story, knowing that we are created in his image for his purpose, that just brings more meaning to our lives. I've been created by him in his image. I've been created for him. God desires to be in relationship with us. Think about the significance of that. God loves you. He wants to know you. He wants you to become more like him. He has a purpose and a plan, an eternal destiny for you. And he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is the creator God, and he loves you with this kind of extravagant love. We are created in the image of God. We didn't invent any of this stuff. We are his creation. We are part of his stories. It's all him. Never forget that. It says, then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food, and I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. And then finally in verse 31, let's just read this together because we can. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. How cool is that? Everything was pretty good until we arrived on the scene. And then he saw us and he said, oh, that is very good. Huh? That's you. That's you. All right, we did that. I want to encourage you today with this final thought. Not only is God powerful, not only is God wise, but here's the, the surprise. You're not going to see this one coming. God is good. Huh? How about that? Did you see that one coming? God, God is good. Man, he is merciful and he is kind. And he is just. When he speaks creation into existence, he steps back and he says, hey, this is good. When he creates you and I, each and every one of us in his image, he backs up and he says, oh, this is very good. And in God's creation, know this. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. The reason it was very good was because we were in total relationship with God. There's no sin in the picture. There's no suffering, there's no sickness, there's no death. God's original creation, as he intended it, was this picture that we see in Genesis 1. It was an intimate relationship and fellowship with God. And he steps back in all of his creation that he's spoken to existence because he's the all-powerful God, knowing in all of his wisdom that this is the perfect design. And he says, hey, this, this is good. And that's who God is. He is good. And that's really important to wrap your mind around because, you know, if God is, is powerful and he's wise, but he's not good, well, then that sets the picture for, you know, the raging God in the heavens that smites people, right? Well, we, we want him to be good. We Thank you, God, for being good. He could be powerful. You know, that's worth clapping for. Yeah, God is good. God is good. If, if God was good, and God was powerful, but he wasn't wise, then we'd have this kind of incompetent God bumbling around in the universe, making all kinds of, like, oops, sorry about that. Well, we don't want that either. And then the last option, you know, he's good, he's wise, but if he's not all powerful, he, he doesn't have the power to come through and, and get things done. Well, he is. He's all three of those things. He is the creator God. We are part of his story. He's all powerful, he's all wise. And he's good. 
I want to ask you this, this question today as we come to an end, as we talk about the big picture, what this means, this idea of creation. We have to be able to willing, be willing to wrap our minds around this idea that, man, this story, it begins with God, not us. It is 100% his story. He is the creator. We are his creation. And I think that the sooner we can come to, to grasp and come to grips with that concept, the easier it is to, to submit to his lordship in our lives and say, God, you're God and I'm not. Whatever I am, whoever I need to be, God, I surrender that to you. And I want you to know today, you can put your trust in him because he loves you with an extravagant love. He is all-powerful. He is wise. And he is good. And he cares deeply about you. And so I want to ask you this story today as we come to a close. Where does your story begin? Does it begin with Jesus? If it does, I ask you to take this time today to make sure that that you're living a life that's submitted to him, that you're saying, God, whatever you need me to do, the answer is yes, because at the end of the day, you are God and I'm not. I'm part of your story. God, help me to become who it is you want me to be. It's a great time of year to just reset that mindset and make sure that we're walking the way that God wants us to walk in life. But maybe you've never really thought about the idea that my story needs to begin with God. And if that's you today, wherever you are, I want to invite you to have God be part of your story today, to say yes to him and make sure that your story begins with Jesus because Jesus changes everything. Jesus gives us an origin. Jesus gives our life purpose. Jesus gives us an eternal destiny. And I want all of us to be able to experience the hope of Jesus today. So wherever you are, would you stand with me in this moment? And can we just pray this prayer together? Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And can we give him praise? Can we give him glory? He is the creator God. There is no one like him. He's all powerful. He is wise. He is good. And he loves us with an extravagant love. And so as we close today, we're going to sing this song. We're going to speak the name of Jesus, the creator God over us today. And I encourage you to engage in this song, to lean into who Jesus is, because there is no one like our God. Let's worship together.